0: Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am Charles Kalazi. Today is Wednesday, February the 7th, 2024, and it is the fifth Wednesday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is from the gospel according to St. Mark, continuing from yesterday. Jesus summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person, but the things that come out from within are what defile. When he got home away from the crowd, his disciples questioned him about the parable. He said to them, Are even you likewise without understanding? Do you not realize that everything that goes into a person from outside cannot defile? since it enters not the heart but the stomach, and passes into the latrine. Thus he declared all foods clean. But what comes out of the man, that is what defiles him. For within the man, from his heart, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within and they defile. So yesterday we were talking about the religious leaders criticizing Jesus for having not making his disciples wash their hands when they were traveling and and it was time to eat. Jesus was letting go of some of the regulations for ritualistic purity. Now, some of these things are in the Bible, and some of them are not. As Jesus pointed out, some of these things are just human traditions. And Jesus first made it, and this is what I preached about yesterday. He first made it about uh, these people. These people are prideful. These people they uh, <laughs> they serve God with their lips, with their exterior actions, but the fact is, their hearts are very far from Him. Now. After addressing the issue with the persons, Jesus is addressing the issue of the ritualistic purity, and he is saying, and it says here, thus he declared all foods clean, getting close to God and having salvation is not dependent upon whether you eat uh, lamb or pork, right? It's not dependent upon what you drink exactly. I mean, unless you're a drunk, that's a whole different story. It's not dependent upon whether or not you wash your hands before a meal. I mean, could there be sin because, yeah, we uh, don't take care to, I don't know, have cleanliness and then things like that? I mean, sure, you know, our parents taught us growing up, hopefully, to wash ourselves and clean up when you're having company, things like that. Those are more about politeness and, yeah, you know, to be rude to others because we're not taking good care of ourselves. We're not cleaning up or whatever. Yeah, there could be some sinfulness in that, but that's not the main thing. Jesus is addressing, first of all, something we're going to start addressing next week during Lent, and that is where sin comes from. Jesus gets tempted in three ways. We're going to hear that sermon or that gospel, the first Sunday of Lent, his temptations. Also, on Ash Wednesday, we always hear the gospel about the three things to do, to overcome the three sources of temptation. The three sources are the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's how we traditionally say it. Jesus is tempted by the world. I will give you all these kingdoms. He is tempted by the flesh. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? He was hungry. And he's tempted by direct sentiments from the devil. Why don't you throw yourself off this mountain, and God's angels will catch you. Let's test God. And how do we overcome the things? Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer overcomes the devil. Fasting overcomes the sins of the flesh, the temptations of the flesh. And uh, almsgiving, giving of ourselves in different ways, overcomes the temptations that come from without. Jesus is saying now, getting very specific, where does evil come from? Evil does not come from these foods or whether or not you washed your hands. It's true, we can be tempted from the outside. But those outer temptations are not coming from us. It's external things being introduced to us. And the same with temptations from the devil directly. They come from something outside of us. And that doesn't make us evil unless we take them in. If we say yes to the devil, if we say yes to the world, we're taking those things in. That's different than taking in food. But then there are those things that are already within us, and we call these the sins of the flesh. Sometimes we hear sins of the flesh and we just think it's about sex, but it's about so much more. And this is why fasting, you know, subduing the flesh, taming the body, so to speak, is one of the best things we can do to overcome the temptations and the sins of the flesh. So when Jesus speaks about the evil coming from within us, he's essentially talking about the seven deadly sins. Before we get into those seven deadly sins, because it's a great examination of conscience just to think about those a little bit, um, I just want to mention, you know, at the time of Jesus, there's a great historian, Jewish historian that wrote at the time of Jesus, or he wrote about the time of Jesus, his name was Josephus. And he was not Christian. He was Jewish. He was Jewish in his beliefs. And he wrote that these were the nastiest people that ever lived, the people that ran, the the Jewish people, the people in charge, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sanhedrin. These are literally the ones that put Jesus to death, that twisted all sorts of lies around Jesus to put him to death, even though he was innocent. These are the ones where the woman was caught in adultery, There's a story about that. Actually, Louis DeWall wrote a book about that called The Spear. The woman's name in that story is Naomi. And Naomi has a husband who is a Jewish leader. And he's absolutely disgusting. He's horribly evil. And she has a miserable, miserable life. It doesn't excuse her sin, but it explains it a little bit. This is where that sin was coming from. She was hurting, she was in pain. And he was just the nastiest thing. And then she met a Roman centurion and they fell in love. And uh, so, yeah, the, the, her husband knew about it and eventually said, okay, let's put her to death. Let's stone her to death. Let's use this as a way to test Jesus. And these people had no interest in finding out what's true and what's really, you know, sin versus virtue. No, no, Uh, they're just, he and his friends were nasty people taking advantage of everyone, and he wanted to put his wife to death. He was just tired of it, and he wanted to kill a couple birds with one stone, testing Jesus at the same time. So Josephus, you know, it's just, it's a little bit of a repeat from yesterday, talking about that addiction to power. Josephus tells us about how the people in charge at that time were so utterly horrible and nasty, and they were the ones permitted You know, God doesn't intend these things, but God permitted his son to do his public ministry during that time and to be crucified by these people, put to death by these people. And then, just as it was predicted, Jerusalem was destroyed while they were still running things. Everything just got worse and worse and worse among the leadership of that time among the Jews, and finally the Romans came in and sacked Jerusalem and destroyed everything. And once again, the Jews were dispersed all over the place, just like they had been during the Babylonian captivity. And, you know, the Jewish people being the chosen people they're the greatest blessings have come from the Jewish people, but also they've been, you know, attacked. They've been the, the source of uh, a, a great deal of uh, persecution over the ages. Um, like I was saying yesterday, we've all had horrible, corrupt leadership. Their horrible, their worst possible leaders just happened to be at the time of Christ. It was good timing in terms of, you know, what Jesus knew he needed to do to save us from our sins. I'm so sorry if you can hear that. I meant to turn my ringer off. I'm recording on my phone here today because uh, I'm out and about. (laughs) It won't be home till later tonight. So, okay, and recording on Tuesday for Wednesday. Let's get to the seven deadly sins. These are the things Jesus says. He says about 14, 15 different words there, but they're all summed up in the seven deadly sins. Envy, greed, pride, lust, sloth, gluttony, and the final one is called a lot of different things. Rage, wrath, hatred. So these are the things that come from within us. And as we are striving, hopefully, to grow in holiness... It shouldn't be about how we fold our hands. It shouldn't be about uh, what we're eating exactly. It shouldn't be about the fact that I wear this shirt instead of that shirt. I mean, in my own, I don't want to say my upbringing with my parents, but in some of the religious formation that I've received, some of the people along the way were very wonderful and helping me to pray and, and develop a beautiful relationship with Jesus and Mary. And certain people along the way just wanted me to fold my hands the right way. And, you know, how dare you? You're wearing a red sweater. I was yelled at for wearing a red sweater once, things like that. You know, the externals that do not defile a person, the things that defile us. And one thing about these seven deadly sins is we're examining our own consciences. These are attitudes and they're the opposite of the virtues and they're deepened by our choices. The definition, one of the definitions of a virtue is that it's you and me striving our best to do good and to grow in holiness, trying to do the right things, trying to follow the commandments, trying to be more loving, while at the same time, God helps us. So the virtues involve God giving us grace, but at the same time, we are trying to make the right choices to turn away from sin and turn towards the good. The vices are the opposite of that. You know, the devil is tempting, the world is tempting, but we are allowing these horrible attitudes to grow and fester within us based on the choices that we make. No one is born envious, greedy, prideful, lustful, slothful, gluttonous, or in rage. We make choices to increase these things. A person might, by their nature, or based on things that happen in their upbringing, let's just say, have a lot of anger. There's many of us that have had to deal with a lot of anger in our lives. But the more we make decisions to hold grudges, to hurt others, to commit acts of violence, now we're deepening that part within us that is rageful. You know, a person might have temptations to lust, and who knows, maybe a person is wounded in their childhood, causing them, I mean, we see it more and more all the time, people that are abused end up abusing others. But we deepen the sinful nature of it. I mean, there can be a psychological part of it, too. And then we wouldn't be culpable for that part, which is purely psychological. But when it comes to making bad choices, we deepen the wounds in our hearts by making these bad choices. This is why it's so dangerous nowadays to say, oh, this is just the way I am. And people are committing all sorts of sexually depraved actions well, this is just who I am. I was born this way. No, the world is telling you that it's okay to do those things. Maybe you had a little inclination because of a woundedness. Very often these things are about woundedness. People struggling with the orientations and all sorts of different things. There's a woundedness that's there first, but then the world says, go ahead and indulge it go ahead and indulge. So what are people doing? They're indulging and they're making them, the the wound is going deeper and deeper and deeper. The hole in their heart is getting bigger and bigger and the problems just get worse. And we do people such a disservice when we say to them, as if it's a loving thing, oh, be who you want to be, go ahead and do what you want to do, as opposed to no. That's actually something that's disordered. You know, initially a person struggling with something that doesn't, it's not necessarily a sin. It's a person struggling very often because of a wound, but rather than helping people heal their wounds, we're just saying, no, go ahead. And we're making the wounds bigger. Never mind. with so many different areas of sin versus virtue, we allow the devil in, we allow demons in, we're making deals with the devil. There's so many different ways the devil gets in. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. So we're deepening the wound instead of helping the person to heal. God's grace can heal. Psychology also can be part of that and 12 steps. And there's so many beautiful things that we can use to help us heal. Even just learning, reading good books, studying our faith and just studying, you know, how to heal, trying to apply different things, healing our memories. So many different beautiful things. So ultimately, when we are judged, We've heard this said over and over again, but I think a lot of times we fail to understand what it really means. God judges the heart. He judges the heart. It doesn't mean that our choices are excluded from judgment. No, our choices are very much included in how we are going to be judged. But ultimately, a person getting into heaven, and this is part of the beauty of our belief in purgatory, um... Part of a person getting into heaven, well, the main thing really is that a person needs to be purified, 100% purified. We can't do it on our own. I'm not going to be perfect on my own in any area, but I can work on these things. I can strive for perfection. And then I ask God's grace and receiving God's grace in the sacraments, spending time in prayer, uh... All the different things we can do, praying the rosary, receiving indulgences, so many different things we can do to purify our souls more and more. And when we're working towards these things, ultimately, I mean, yeah, I, I believe there are some people that go straight to heaven, you know, somebody that was martyred, definitely. But I mean, how many older people are in church? They've been going for years and you know, they're not really doing much wrong. Maybe they, you know, they still have their sins. They still have their struggles, but people that are faithfully praying, faithfully going to church, some of these people are going to church every day. They're confessing all the time. They're really praying with all their hearts. There's people more and more and more purifying themselves. Yeah, I do believe there's people that go straight to heaven, but very often, no, people aren't going to get directly into heaven because there's still some pride. There's still some selfishness. There's all kinds of things that need to be purged. The heart has to be perfect to get into heaven. Otherwise, we're allowing sin into heaven and that, you know, God is incompatible with sin. So we have to be completely purified. So we're working on the hearts, each one of our hearts. And our individual sins need to be confessed, but also they're a gauge for us to say, all right, where am I exactly? Very often we think, oh, look at how good I'm doing. And then suddenly something else comes up and a horrible rage comes out of us. Well, where did that come from? That's not compatible with God. I thought I was doing good. Or, you know, the tendency to gossip. Why are we gossiping? It's all these things. You know, there's envy, there's greed, there's lust, there's pride, there's sloth, all these different things. We might be good in one area and then we're weak in another area. So the Lord wants us to be aware that the things that defile us come from our hearts and our hearts need to be purified. So we work on things as if it depends on us, but we pray as if it all depends on God, because it does. We pray, we give it to God. And I know for myself, although I work on things, it's never going to happen. I know I'm too weak. I'm never going to be perfected because I work really hard on it. Rather, my perfection will come from the fact that I keep giving it to the Lord. I keep putting it everything into his hands and I keep asking him over and over again, purify my heart, purify my intentions, my desires. You know, Lord, I give it to you. Give it to our blessed lady because this is part of devotion to Mary. She promises When we're praying the rosary, when we wear the scapular, when we're devoted to her, she will make sure we have what we need to get to heaven. It's, uh, we have good parents. We have the best of parents between our lady, between our Lord. And, um, they're going to, they're going to form us. They're going to shape us. They're going to give us everything we need. So let's continue to pray for each other on the journey and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep doing our best. All right. God bless. Have a great day.